that was how to make the elixir of life and holy grail. Next up. I'm a mortal. Your source for all things immortal. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Dmitry Kaminsky. I'm a co-founder and managing partner of Deep Knowledge Group. This is consortium of four non-profit organizations, two investment funds in our group. Deep Knowledge Venture, this is a deep tech AI-focused investment fund. And Longevity Capital, this is a particular investment fund focused on longevity industry. And uh, we have a number of analytical subsidiaries, including Deep Knowledge Analytics, Narrowtech Analytics, and our one of the most prioritized subsidiary was uh, the first analytical company in our group, Agent Analytics Agency. It was established back in 2013. Well, this is uh, this analytical company, actually probably one of the most, one of the few in the world, which is particularly focused on longevity industry, aging research, uh, you know, longevity financial industry, investment analytics in, in longevity, and even politics, longevity politics themselves. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast, Dimitri. So to start off, we've been asking this question to all our guests. Our podcast is called I'm a Mortal, a play on the word immortal. So what does the word immortal or immortality mean to you? Well, I'm uh, considering this uh, topic, you know, from point of view of engineering. Uh, the very same as, for example, Elon Musk is considering space, not just as space exploration. Whatever project he's doing, he's approaching to those projects as engineer. Uh, the very same could be and should be done in regards to longevity. And to go back to your particular question, immortality, well, Ray Kurzweil, his books you know, and his uh, projections predicted that technically speaking, probably from technological point of view, immortality would be achievable or possible in 2045. Mm -hmm. In the sense that by his predictions, there will be possible so-called mind upload. Mm -hmm. In a sense that, you know, transmission of all information in, in the brains towards computer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you consider like the mind upload a form of immortality in your perspective? Yeah, would you want to undergo it as well? Because I know you focus more on longevity. So this is a little bit of a sidetrack. But would you be interested in that sort of technology as well? Well, it will be, you know, in 25 years from now, if it will be. From pragmatic point of view, we are... Uh, much more focused on what will be in the next 10 years rather than in the next 20 years. Because by that time, in 2045, there are too much uncertainty and we don't know exactly how it will be and in what form it will be. Uh, however, it's much more doable and much more you know, practically applicable to predict what will be in the next 2, 3, 5, 10 years. Mm -hmm. In terms of longevity and all your work, what technologies are you and the world investing in right now? And as individuals ourselves, how can we invest in it? You know, when uh, we entered this field in 2013, uh, by the way, by that time, uh, the word longevity was not yet common. Yeah. Uh, longevity as a brand name for the industry, you know, for, for this field of research and science technology, I think it started to be common, including media, something around 2017. Before that, the word anti-aging was much more common. However, it was diluted by different, you know, weird companies which are distributing uh, different, you know, placebo products, something like creams or anti-aging creams or, you know, some anti so-called anti-aging supplements. Uh, where I'm reading this, approximately in 2017-2018, Agent and Agency uh, profiled what could be named longevity industry, and we formulated uh, this industry, and we defined, you know, we create framework 
what does it mean longevity industry? Uh, what should be included? What sectors are actually somehow related to, to that? And uh, which sectors are not related? So by now we identified 20 sectors and we also, you know, estimated the size of the industry because it's 34 trillions of dollars currently, including national healthcare budgets, which is quite a significant portion, including the budgets of uh, financial corporations, such as insurance companies, healthcare insurance companies, life, life insurance companies, and pension funds. So this is all in uh, some capacity, in some, you know, in some mode is related to longevity. Now, a particular biomedical regenerative medicine, you know, preventive medicine fields. This is in total, on global scale, approximately two trillions of dollars. Uh, there is also age uh, tech sector. This is uh, modern products and uh, solutions for all people using, uh, let's say, innovative approaches at the intersection of elderly care and IT technology, maybe some mobile apps. So this is age tech also approximately two trillions of dollars on global scale. So go back to your question, we have two priorities in terms of, you know, investment focus. We were focused on uh, applications of artificial terms for aging research. First of all, it's biomarkers of aging because uh, biomarkers of aging and longevity, this is the bottleneck for the entire industry. Without uh, those markers, without those metrics, you can't, you know, really estimate whether any technology providing any, you know, beneficial effect in terms of rejuvenation, you know, uh, reverse occasion or at least slow down aging. So this is number one priority. Uh, the other priority is uh, longevity fintech. So modern applications of financial technology towards health longevity. One of the examples, one, uh, one of the projects which we supported, invested, you know, and now helping them to expand also towards the United States. This is longevity banking card. So it's typical, quite modern fintech solution, but with the focus on uh, People who actually, you know, pursuing healthy lifestyle, uh, willing to, to live longer, healthier, more actively, you know, more kind of productive life. So basically, this is a marketplace in the form of mobile app and, you know, desktop solution uh, integrated with uh, MasterCard. So this is one of the examples. There's also, we have some interest in um, insure tech, you know, modern applications of healthcare insurance, but again, integrated with modern longevity fintech and a number of other, you know, let's say, innovative applications which are tuned towards uh, longevity. Okay. So you mentioned a whole lot of industries there. So before we jump into them, because I know this is important for listeners who might not know about the biology of aging, do you mind just telling us a little bit about some of the biomarkers? I think we've heard some things like telomeres, there's senescent-associated phenotypes, phenotypes and stuff like that. Is there any particular biomarker that the industry is particularly focused on right now? I'm not sure about uh, telomerase as a you know, relevant biomarker in regards to longevity. Uh, it was quite popular and, you know, uh, I would say a little bit over-promoted as one particular knowledge, one particular sector. Whereas in reality, uh, we, shall, we shall talk about panels of biomarkers. So it's, uh, I would say, the relevant panel to really measure what is happening in the body of any uh, given individual it should consist of at least 100 biomarks, maybe several hundreds. Some of them require so-called low tech, so you can measure them with uh, quite simple solutions without like significant tests and specific uh, equipment. So let's say you can do it at home, maybe with mobile apps. Some of them actually, you know, using uh, just facial recognition, which is, you know, the field where AI achieved the best results in facial recognition. So when you're looking at the person, 
at the face of any person. You just without, you know, any equipment, you can use your eyes and your brains uh, to assess what is current biological age of the person. So this is very simple. You know, skin, it's one of the best biomarkers. Now, let's say there are aging agencies recently published a new analytical report and actually also created an IT platform to review it at longevity.international website. So there's an ecosystem of biomarkers uh, research. Uh, they profiled several hundreds of laboratories, several hundreds of uh, scientists, and fortunately 100 companies doing some research or some technology. So they already have some practical applications in terms of biomarkers or even panels of biomarkers. Now, some of the biomarkers, indeed, they require uh, very you know, deep resource, very expensive equipment. It could be done, let's say, in, in specific clinics. Whereas some of the biomarkers do not require complex equipment or, you know, technology. So this is the diversity of biomarkers. And whenever you are assessing the actual biological age of any person, plus to that, assessing whether any specific interventions or, you know, specific drugs, pills, uh, food supplements, you know, other technologies, uh, whether they're providing a positive, negative, or maybe neutral effect, like placebo. Many, many, because uh, the problem is that many of food supplements on, you know, buy supplements, um, let's say, many sellers marketing as, you know, as uh, anti-aging drugs. So this is the best case scenario, just possible. In many cases, they can be accumulated in the body if you are taking for a long time, such, you know, especially synthetic uh, chemically based food supplements, or maybe, you know, some kind of specific drugs. And this could be accumulated and eventually provide negative effect, not, not only, you know, neutral effect. But to go back to biomarkers, so in reality, uh, the panels of the markers uh, should be not only quite you know, sophisticated, robust, and taking account multiple parameters. First of all, they should be personalized in the sense that the panel of biomarkers designed for me, it should be different, uh, let's say, with you. So each person will have a little bit different you know, measures, and all those biomarkers should be adjusted towards a particular person. Apparently, we are talking about uh, data science, about big data analytics, and uh, this all should be integrated with artificial intelligence. In other words, it is impossible to assess panels of biomarkers, to measure them, you know, to, to monitor them, to track them without uh, AI technologies. Plus to that, uh, these panels should be not only adjusted towards a particular person, but uh, they should be adjusted from time to time in the sense that uh, those particular metrics, they will fluctuate from day to day, from week to week. Uh, for example, if you are in Toronto, now, and let's say you, you will move, you know, somewhere in Africa or let's say in another climate, another temperature, another, you know, humidity, all this will provide some impact. And with that, you know, these uh, metrics will have to be adjusted. So I think that uh, currently there are at least 10 companies which can provide more or less relevant panels of biomarkers for you to measure your current biological age and some kind of impact of uh, what you are doing. However, I think uh, the really market readiness, robust, sophisticated panels of biomarkers will be uh, market ready something in around in two, three years from now. Mm. So you mentioned earlier in the conversation that AI could be used, for example, for facial recognition because skin is a great biomarker for aging. So how else can AI be used to accelerate longevity research? On top of that, what is its relationship to personalized medicine? Like how can AI be used in relation to personalized medicine? I would probably ask this question in the other way. Uh, can you uh, give an example where research on human life extension could be without AI? I don't, I don't know such fields. In other words, 
if researchers do not use uh, in 21st year of the 21st century, if researchers are doing some, uh, you know, scientific research on human longevity, they're not using AI, if they're, they're not using uh, data science, big data analytics, I don't think this is serious research. Mm, okay, so it's like a new standard to use artificial intelligence in research for longevity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in relation to personalized medicine, do you have any comments on that? Like artificial intelligence related to personalized medicine? Do we see any advancements right uh, now? Once again, uh, once again, uh, personalized medicine, it's about, so maybe we shall start with uh, personalized health. And, you know, there's such term as precision medicine in terms of human longevity, much more than precision health. To maintain precision health, uh, you need to be, you know, data scientist of uh, your health. Yeah. You, you should be, you know, CEO of, of your health, director of your health. <laughs> yeah. And with that, uh, you know, it's it's not that uh, simple in the sense that uh, to, to really to, to be uh, data scientist of your health, you need to monitor your health in very precise and very deep mode and very personalized mode. Uh, this is, again, where, uh, going back to this uh, personalized panels of biomarkers. And uh, again, uh, I don't see how that could be done without data science and data science, you know, nowadays how it could be done without artificial intelligence. Okay. So you've talked about how you've had some predictions for the next 10 years. I think you've written about it in one of your books and you're going to continue talking about it. I think longevity industry 1.0 was just defining industry 2.0, 10 years. And I think there's a 3.0 eventually as well, Dimitri. Uh, yes. I think there will be three points. Okay, well, we look forward to that. <laughs> oh, 4.0 as well. Um, but could you just tell the audience right now what you sort of envision the next 10 years to be like, and I guess how we can prepare as banks, insurance companies, and even individuals, like how we can prepare for this next decade? Well, as you know, current times considered as, as the time of fourth industrial revolution. It's fusion and, um, let's say, combination of multiple technologies into new uh, super industries. For example, when we're talking about longevity, it's not only about science of aging. It's not only about, you know, biomedicine. It's not about precision medicine, preventive medicine, precision health. It's all about, you know, integration with, uh, as I mentioned, for example, with insure tech, with uh, fintech, with health tech, you know, with M health, mobile health, with um, smartphones, you know, with different wearables, with different, you know, let's say specific um micro devices which will be embedded in, into the body uh, to, to measure to monitor you know the the current state of health and uh, you know will provide some red flags if uh, there will be any specific issues we can estimate that by 2030 there will happen fifth industrial revolution where singularity will be achieved in 2045 and uh, that will be considered a sixth industrial revolution so in 10 years from now we can uh, estimate that there will be this super you know First of all, during the next 10, 10 years, the progress in technologies, including longevity, including, you know, personalized biomedicine, precision health, uh, there will be incredible progress. So during the next 10 years, progress, the quantity of the progress which will happen will be equal to probably previous 30, 40, maybe 50 years. Currently, uh, you know, the speed of uh, progress, especially at the intersection of science, uh, technology, artificial intelligence, uh, it's already incredible. But this speed of acceleration, it will, you know, self-inducing cycle. So the acceleration will exceed current pace of uh, speed of acceleration, uh, current pace of progress. Now, in terms of, you know, forecasting, technological forecasting, so uh, it is quite doable to predict what will happen in five years. It's a little bit less doable uh, to predict what will happen in seven, eight years. And maximum, 
from you know pragmatic technology point of view, what you could predict the maximum horizon is uh, 10 years from now. In a sense, like you know, predict and forecast in tangible way, not theoretical abstract way. So the point is that by 2030, first of all, there will be achieved so-called escape velocity. What does it mean in particular? For people of middle age, let's say I'm 45, so in 10 years from now, I will be 55, but I'm quite sure that by that time, the progress in science, technology, and medicine will be so significant that age 55 will be my maximum age, in the sense that it will stay 55, and probably in 2040, and maybe even sooner, we'll be able a little bit to reverse, to a little bit decrease my biological age. For you, because you're younger, uh, this will happen even faster, whereas for people who, let's say, now uh, in age of 70, 80 years, for them, state velocity probably will be achieved in 2035-2040, in the sense that uh, uh, technology which are required for younger people, they are you know, a little bit simpler. Technology which are required to freeze the biological age of all people already uh, having issues with uh, health and the immune system technologies uh, for that age category quite more sophisticated more advanced and this is uh, you know a reverse linear trajectory in the sense uh, the the younger you are the easier and the sooner uh, will be achieved to the stage of this uh, escape velocity dimitri you talked about the rate of rate of change is accelerating so it gets faster and faster so i want to ask how you think different aspects of society, especially with relation to longevity, how they will change. I know you mentioned insurance companies and banks in your book a bit. So I just want to know to what degree can we expect the change and how should they prepare a bit? Okay. So, no, five years ago, when you were talking about the people who live up to 120 years, you were considered as fringe. It was just five years ago. In 2015, established a $1 million prize. Actually, it will be birthday gift to the first person who will celebrate his or her 123rd birthday because the previous life record belongs to Jean Carmen who died back in 1997 in Paris at the age of 122 years and six months. Apparently, she had a very significant genetic predisposition to extra long living. However, this uh, very simple logic that uh, since uh, 1997, the progress in biomedicine was tremendous. And uh, if Jean would live now, apparently will be able to extend her life at least for another six months. So apparently she would celebrate her 123rd birthday and most likely 125th birthday. So I'm where I'm meeting this. From technological point of view, uh, to celebrate 123rd birthday, it is doable already now. However, you know, the perception of general public and media in particular, five years ago, it was uh, some unusual, no? because uh, by that time, it was normal to talk that uh, we will live up to 100 uh, years. Then, just within a couple of years, because, you know, a lot of media hype around the topic, now it's to speak that we'll live up to 120 years is absolutely normal. Nobody, you know, confronts this. And now many people, even serious people, you know, even uh, financial investors, like financiers, bankers, they're talking about that maybe we'll live up to 150 years, up to 200 years, so it's it's uh, became normal. In reality, the very same uh, could be said even uh, five years ago because uh, technological progress in biomedicine five years ago already was quite significant. What actually, you know, technically speaking, the major difference what happened during the last several years it's uh, quite significant progress in this field of research and development related to biomarkers of aging longevity, and th this is very significant because this is the bottleneck of the entire industry and 
with these practical applications of these biomarkers, this will adjust toward real practical applications of human longevity, not uh, animal models, human longevity. This is the tool how all that research could be applied much more practically, much more, you know, tangibly towards humans. Okay. We use this term Silicon Valley quite often, but in terms of drawing progress in longevity industry, I think you've heard the term longevity valley and there'll be some countries which could be the longevity hub. Could you describe those two terms in more detail and what you think of them? Well, first of all, I don't think that in Silicon Valley, there's uh, real progress related to human yeah, longevity. Yeah. There's a lot of progress uh, towards mice longevity. Yes, I know. know. <laughs> yeah. There are other countries, there are some other regions where scientists and doctors making uh, a little bit more progress towards uh, particular human longevity rather than mice longevity. Mm. In Silicon Valley, from my point of view, they are yet more focused on mice longevity. Mm. Uh, in regards to longevity value, uh, imagine that there will be, uh, you know, some particular small smart region in the form of smart state or smart city where uh, everything will be tied uh, towards the idea of extension of healthy period of life, healthy active period of life. Currently, Singapore is number one in the world by uh, healthy life expectancy. Hong Kong is number one in terms of life expectancy. But healthy life expectancy is a little bit different because daily disabled life years, this gap, for example, in the United States between the healthy period of life and then unhealthy period of life is 10 years, even uh, close to 11. In case of UK, it's 10. In case of uh, most other developed countries, 10 years. So th this is the period of life when people are actually suffering. They're uh, having a lot of, uh, let's say, illnesses, you know, a lot of uh, pathologies, and eventually they're dying from one of those uh, diseases or age-related diseases. Now, in case of Singapore, the gap is only six years. In case of Japan, the gap is seven years. So in Singapore, people are living long, but also they are living, uh, I think, up to 87 years on average in health mode. So they, this kind of daily disabled life years, it's only approximately six years in case of Singapore. In case of Japan, seven years. So the major idea that in case of uh, really advanced technocracy-driven, technological-driven uh, longevity value, this gap will be decreased even you know, down to five years, maybe down to four years. So and I think that some kind of particular countries, so Singapore, maybe you know, Switzerland, maybe some, some such countries as Liechtenstein can pretend that maybe they could be developed in the next five to 10 years, this you know, kind of super ecosystem of most advanced uh, combination, most advanced uh, medical technologies, healthcare technologies, data science technologies required for that, but also financial technology. Because if you're going to live longer, you also shall plan your financial wellness also in advance and, you know, to maintain your finance in such a, a way that you'll be able to, to pay for that uh, advanced medical services, especially when you, when you will be close to 100 years. As you know, our interview right now is unfortunately virtual, but with COVID-19 and the pandemic going on right now, has it accelerated or slowed down research? It accelerated and uh, quite significantly because uh, before pandemics, many people, including scientists, they were doing uh, different research not related to human health. Nowadays, many people, including high net worth individuals, you know, ultra high net worth individuals, they start to understand that uh, probably not wealth is uh, the most precious asset, but health is much more precious. And you know, many of what we do see during particular 2020, 
a lot of investors approached us, uh, you know, asking how they can invest into something related to uh, human longevity in a tangible, safe digital mode. So we, we are, you know, designing such investment strategies. The point is that during pandemics, people, you know, started to think less about uh, luxury stuff, such as uh, super expensive cars or yachts, you know, maybe real estate. So this became less important. The kind of proportion uh, how much people are thinking about this increased significantly. And go back to, you know, particular progress in science and technology. Uh, well, COVID actually changed this, you know, more from uh, too much speaking at the conference or different, you know, meetings. Uh, so this switched to, towards, you know, uh, a little bit more doing to be more focused on some practical results instead of, you know, just uh, socializing, for example, between scientists, which was uh, quite common, you know, before pandemics. So nowadays, let's say people are working more and more tangibly focused on uh, some practical results. Uh, for your understanding, a lot of other industries, they declined during pandemics, whereas uh, biomedicine, biotech industry, it's one of very few industries, uh, probably along with, you know, anything related to uh, such technologies for remote work, like uh, including Zoom. So uh, this virtual, virtual technologies uh, grew significantly, but also biotech industry grew very significantly during uh, 2020 and beginning of 2021. Because of pandemics uh, was, you know, accelerated for this matter. So then on the topic of our, this industry, at least longevity, uh, you talked about a lot of the pros so far. I think the pros are kind of obvious, but are there any cons or I guess, complications that people might not realize? Like, is there anything that you, in particular that people should know about in that case? Yeah. During the next 10 years, longevity, it's already now the biggest industry compared to any others. As I mentioned, by our estimations, uh, the size of the industry is uh, 34 trillions and it will grow. It is growing steadily and it will grow more, uh, whereas other industries which are not essential to humans, including, you know, maybe some luxury stuff, maybe some kind of let's say, outdated industries. So they will decline because uh, uh, many people and many investors will transition from uh, those non-essential industries to most important industry, which is longevity industry. In, in other words, yes, there will be cons and it will be more related to industries which are you know, not providing uh, to humans uh, what is really important to them. I think that uh, this will also will provide impact on uh, politicians and government officials because in, in the next five, seven years, when the citizens of uh, many states will realize that actually, you know, government, if it will be incentivized somehow, will be able to extend healthy period of life for their citizens. And citizens will demand from politicians to provide uh, such solutions. So the normal states, the normal, you no. Know, governments in the next five, seven, ten years, it will be absolutely normal that governments will declare that uh, one of their priorities to extend healthy period of life for their citizens. Okay. And uh, that will become, you know, uh, for politicians, for governments, you know, for parliaments, this topic will become quite significant. So okay. if five years ago it was, you know, strange to talk about life extension, now it became normal. You will see that in the next five years, it will become normal also on the level of uh, politicians and uh, governments okay. uh, to prioritize this topic. Okay, so pretty much in a sense, not only will they, it's not a matter of want, the governments have an obligation to their people to almost put money and time into this technology. I exactly. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So this is just a little bit more of a personal question. 
do you see everyday people, people who may not be in the biomedical field or longevity field, can you see the topic of life extension becoming a daily activity? Like, as you mentioned, the government may push like longevity for its people. Can you see people in daily life talking about it, like it becoming a daily occurrence? You know, even without longevity, you can see uh, how during the last five years, the topic of healthy lifestyle became absolutely no uh, one of the major topics for discussions, including, you know, different diets, different, you know, uh, fitness running. So it's uh, now became uh, quite central and essential part of, you know, society, this topic. In the next five years, because of, you know, there will be more and more practical applications of uh, practical human life extension, uh, people uh, will start to talk, actually to use, to, you know, to, to think uh, in such a way that, uh, they shall they shall take care about their extension, extension of their healthy period of life, you know, productive period of life. So this will become uh, in, maybe not in all societies, but let's say you know in among let's say people living in developed countries. So this will become the very same as, as now people are thinking about you know healthy lifestyle and fitness, which is normal. And most many people you know pursuing such a lifestyle, and the same way in five years uh, they will talk. Uh, and use and do uh, human longevity just because uh, this fitness and diets and all this, you know, simple methods of uh, improving lifestyle and uh, health. So th uh, they will become data and science driven because now it's absolutely chaotic. Doctors, you know, providing some recommendations, uh, not knowing how it's actually impacting in real uh, mode health of their, you know, clients or patients. In five years, instead of doctors, AI integrated, you know, with sensors, with uh, biomarkers, uh, will really provide your recommendations how to maintain your uh, health, including uh, fitness, sport, you know, diets and uh, food supplements, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So collection of our data will help us with our own medicine. So a question that a lot of people bring up, even myself at one point, with the idea of immortality, if suddenly everybody were able to live like 120, 150, 160 years, wouldn't there be problems such as overpopulation and things like that? So in general, if there was a sudden increase in life expectancy, what negative side effects can we expect to see? No negative side effects. There will be no uh, overpopulation. Uh, you know, the normal quantity of people on our planet should be probably 25 billions. I think that 90% uh, of the planet, they are not headed now, including the deserts, including, you know, north uh, or the south uh, parts of the planet. So there's a lot of uh, space uh, where people can, uh, you know, expand uh, their living areas. Very same with food production. So uh, there will be no problems with food uh, because, uh, you know, technology related to food production, they, of course, will exceed, uh, far exceed any growth of uh, actual population. Uh, the only one problem is uh, with pollution, uh, which has increased indeed the problem already now without overpopulation. It's a topic for, first of all, right government management, because uh, currently most of the governments, uh, they don't care about pollution at all. This is for second. The solution will be, you know, there are a lot of uh, progress and actually, you know, science research and development on the matter of different types of efficient uh, neutralization of pollution, including, for example, bacteria which are eating uh, chemical pollutions, including different uh, new methods uh, related to new materials and, you know, maybe even nanotechnologies and also robotic technologies and, you know, different drones and uh, swarm robotic technologies. So I, I think that uh, robots 
on massive scale, we'll be able to neutralize pollution, including, for example, pollution in oceans. Mm. So for people who are interested in your work, I know you had a bunch of books coming out. You already had Longevity Industry 1.0 2020 last year. For people who are interested in these books, could you tell us a little bit about them and um, I guess what they can learn and where to go to find them? Yeah, so the next book uh, will be Longevity Politics. After that, there will be Longevity Financial Industry. Uh, then there will be Practical Longevity. The practical guide how to celebrate your 123rd birthday. So this is, uh, you know, I will describe technology what I'm using for my life extension. And eventually at the end of this year, there will be Longevity Institute 2.0, uh, deep tech engineering of positive trajectory of uh, human longevity. All these books you can find at longevity-book.com. And our major site of our consortium is dtv.global. Mm -hmm. So for all of you guys listening, any of the links Dimitri just mentioned and discussed will be in the description below. Once again, thank you, Dimitri, for coming on. I'm Immortal, your source for all things Immortal. We really appreciate you taking the time to come and speak with us today. Thank you. It was my pleasure.